Praise God. So just to preempt you that uh, this is just the beginning. There are more coming. Even in the office staff, we have also reinforced. We also uh, add, added in even uh, one of our uh, sound uh, person. Uh, uh, the, uh, we have another Brian, so join us, Brian Gunn. He's also behind the console area in charge of, uh, who's also joined us to, to partner us. And in the office, we have also several people who have joined us. We thank the Lord for that. And we are just continuing to uh, add, add in for in anticipation of what God is doing in our midst. We thank the Lord for the series that we have gone through, the Supernatural series, and it was concluded by our prayer pastor and our PJ2 pastor, Pastor Patricia Chong, last week. Praise God for a wonderful message, compelled by the Spirit. So you are going to see her preaching uh, again, uh, more often. So, uh, Pastor Pat, I'm just preparing you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when we are compelled by the Spirit of God, uh, something that the Spirit of God uh, does is the Spirit of God never contradicts the Word of God. So whatever that the Spirit of God is always aligning us to who Jesus is and also to what the Word of God says, to the whole counsel of God, not just what we like to hear. So today, even as I bring the message today, the title of my message is The Road Less Travel. I'll read from you from Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to verse 14. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Father, we just want to sit down at the feet of your word, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as Mary did in Bethany. We pray that you will teach us, that you will open our hearts, that you will touch lives, people who are online, people who are here physically with the Word of God. So we just want to thank you. We just want to give you praise and thank you, Lord, for always speaking to us. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Hebrews 12, it says that a father will always discipline his children. And so whenever we read the Word of God, we have to be prepared to be offended by the word. We have to be prepared to be made uncomfortable by the word. We have to prepare to make sweeping changes, deep changes even in our lives because of the word. And so today, recently we, I, I went for a pastor's prayer and one of the challenges that are our NECF our president began to challenge us today, even the pastors today, is that how has the pandemic shaped the church or changed the church? Actually, the pandemic has actually revealed the lack of spirituality, the lack of godliness in us. And you may be saying, Pastor, why so hard today on a Sunday? But today, I know the youth are also here. And so we want to get our act right. We want to be serious. Yeah, let's welcome the youth here, yeah. 
Yeah, you're over there. Wonderful. By the way, next month, we will also have our kids' church here for our first, every first Sunday, we're going to have a family service. And so, it's going to be noisy, but it's going to be wonderfully noisy because we are going to have a family service and as what I shared in the previous time, uh, but the, I think they're eight and above. I think Pastor Sarah said they're eight and above and it's going to be a family service. So, but this time, as the Word of God comes out, we talk about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us back to what Jesus has said. So, also the pandemic has exposed the shallow discipleship in the church. I know discipleship is, a, is one of the core things that we do as a church, but not all of us love to be discipled. And this is where we begin to come to the Word of God today. Because sometimes we even hear of Christians even be more fearful of the virus than fear of God. So this is something for us. You know, if we cannot say amen, then we have to say oops. <laughs> I know, but we thank God that the virus is losing its potency. Nowadays, it's a very mild infection, although there are still people who have a serious side effects because of pre-existing. But this is a challenge to the church today. The fear of God. The holiness of God. We always love to sing about the love of God, how nice God is, how merciful God is. But we forget the other part of the coin. There's a coin. They are, we always, always be uh, unbalanced on looking at the attributes of God. God is love. God is merciful. God is kind. God is nice. You know, God is forgiving. But on the other side of the coin is God is holy. God is righteous. And God needs to be reverenced. Even in the book of Isaiah, even in the book of Revelations, we, we hear many times, this is a Hebrew literary device, that when they repeat something, it is for us to take note. We never hear the word in the, in the scriptures, love, 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 or nice, 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 or mercy, mercy, mercy. But what do we hear? in the Old Testament and New Testament. Holy, holy, holy. Because that is the most important attribute. Character, nature of God. And that is what God is doing in each of our lives. To make us a holy people. Not a perfect people, not a sinless people, but a people that is set apart. A people that is unique and distinct. Do you know that as true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are actually limited edition. You know what's limited edition? Yep, whether it's cars, whether it's coins, whether it's stem or whatever you collect, it's a limited edition. It means when they make something, it's only in a very small number. And if you look at the scripture today, you will look, you will realize that you and I belong to an assembly of the few. Not assembly of the many. And this is not my words. This is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm only a messenger 
of what Jesus says. I, so as preachers and teachers of the word, we don't add in, we don't dilute, we don't give only the good side, but we give the full counsel of the word of God. So we are a limited edition, or Dr. Edmund Ng, Edmund Chan, sorry, says, a certain kind of Christian. There are few in numbers. We are unique and we are limited. Can you turn to one another and say, wow, you are a limited edition. Even online, no? can you look at your own family and say, you are a limited edition. You are a certain kind. I know it doesn't matter. Sometimes our friends, our colleagues, our family members say, we are one kind. If we say we are one kind, we pray that they say in the right way because we choose not to steal in the office. We choose not to be late when we go to work. We choose not to score bad words. We choose not to add to the gossip and we choose to practice ethics even in our business. Can we say it? Amen. Amen. Then when people accuse us of being a certain kind or one kind, we say Amen. Because that is what the people need. We need holy people, God's people planted everywhere. And we know of the parable of Jesus, uh, the one who sows the wheat in the field, the world. It's Jesus who plants us everywhere. So sometimes we only want to be planted where Christians are. Then how do we shine? How do we be the salt and light if we want to just always be surrounded? And that is why God brought us just like last time we had a catchphrase, I think, uh, 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 catch two fish alive. When we catch two fish, what do we do with the fish? We clean the fish. After, what, after that, we, uh, uh, we, don't, we don't feed the fish anymore. Lah. But we continue to send the fish out to bring in other fish. And that is, the, that is witnessing for Jesus Christ. So here, true sonship and true discipleship is founded on which gate? And which way we enter into the kingdom of God. Recently, we heard from one of the pastors that some of our church members have been deceived, have been conned, have been uh, drawn away from the teaching of the true church, from the Bible, by too much of grace by certain churches that says that you only confess your sins one time. After that, you can, after that, God gives you a blanket forgiveness for every sin. You don't have to even forgive. And you can continue to be a Christian and continue to live a sinful life. Brothers and sisters, family, this is far. This is the furthest from the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. So we have to be very careful when we hear teachings. I know nowadays we are exposed, especially during the pandemic, to teachings from different, different churches, different, different speakers. And so it's time for the church. That's why the pastors are equipped to begin to counsel, begin to teach, begin to equip you to be prepared to answer anyone who gives you and presents to you a different Jesus, a different gospel. So here, it is our job as shepherds. It's our job as 
pastors and teachers to equip you well so that you will know what is the right path, so that you will stay on the hard road or the narrow gate that Jesus has commanded for each one of us and not begin to entertain all those wrong teaching, all those deceptive teaching that comes from the world. Even if they are famous preachers, even they come from big recognized churches, we have to be careful of their teaching, of their doctrines and their theology. So we say a no. Because when we talk about the grace of God, just like what Josiah mentioned, we always like to mention about the grace. God is so gracious. He will forgive me. But let me tell you, family, if we say that we come in through the narrow gate, through Jesus as the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, then we have to live the life that Jesus has commanded us to live. We cannot choose to be a womanizer. We cannot choose to live in adultery. We cannot choose to continue to steal. We cannot choose to continue to abuse our family members, your spouses, not just husbands to wife, but wife to husband also. We cannot continue to do that and say that we belong to Jesus and say that we have come in the narrow gate. Perhaps we are still on the wide gate. Perhaps we have never entered the narrow gate. Let me just pause for a while for us to just let it just begin to sing into us. Because the church of Jesus Christ, you know, when we come to this uh, uh, verses, this part of the gospel, it forms the total, the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus went up to the mountain, when Jesus saw the crowd, Jesus went up to the mountain and, the, this, and began to sit down because when he sit down means those days, the rabbis, they sit down and teach. And so the disciples came up to the mountain and sat down and listened to him. Where were the crowd? The crowd could, didn't follow him. So we have the assembly of the many. Jesus says that many will follow the white road. Many will come through the easy way because they want to keep their sinful life and still have Jesus. They want the cake and they want to eat the cake as well. So this is where Jesus began to separate, filter who are my people. So the question we have today is, Jesus is reminding us, who are my people? Because we have a warning, I'm sure, whenever you read this, this part of the scripture in uh, Matthew, further down in, in, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, when we hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the people who are not, have not gone through the narrow gate, the people who have not gone through the hard way, will begin to challenge Jesus and say, but Jesus, I prophesied in your name. But Jesus, I cast out demons in your name. But Jesus, I, I, I did signs and wonders. But Jesus says, I never knew you. Away with me, you lawless men. You did not do the will of my Father. 
So the key is not just to say, I believe. The key is not just to say the simple sinner's prayer. Sometimes we make the sinner's prayer too simple. If the sinner's prayer is too easy and too simple, perhaps the sinner's prayer is leading us into the white gate and into the easy road, which doesn't lead to Jesus. So we have to be very careful. I've heard of a testimony, even someone with I'm following up, all the time, I thought this person was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then one day, the person confessed to me, because I, I didn't lead the person into the, but another uh, uh, church member lead. So I just say, then one day, the person, I send devotions to the person, I encourage the person, I did the new journey guide with the person because this person is of a certain status. Huh? So, uh, and the person trusts in me, so I said, okay, I will follow up personally with this person. And one day, the person says, uh, Pastor, I'm not sure whether I must tell, I tell you this, but I was not ready when the person said the sinner's, asked me to say the sinner's prayer. I just wanted healing only. Because the person said, you want to pray for healing? Yes. Then one shot, the person added in the sinner's prayer inside. So actually, we were actually selling something which the person was not ready to buy. The person's heart was not ready yet. So we have to be very careful. I'm, I'm just, as the, as the pastor here, I just need to us to make sure that the assembly that we have here, the people, the family of God here, are people who come in just like the disciples who went up on the mountain to want to hear, to want to know Jesus. Not someone who was accidentally dragged in and says, since we are praying for your healing, you must, I give you a bonus. You just say the sinner's prayer. We cannot do that, brothers and sisters, because then you will have mischievous Christians running around, causing havoc. And that's why Jesus told about the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus planted the believers and the enemy planted his people, the wicked people in between. And so the... The, 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 the servant told the master, should we remove all the tests? He said, don't, because now you cannot recognize them. Who are the real Christians? Who are not the real Christians? Sometimes you and I, we need discernment because not all who are in the church, not all who are online uh, have actually entered the narrow gate, have actually walked on the hard way. So this is a lesson. So I apologize on behalf of our church member and says, I'm sorry, uh, we didn't mean to force you uh, to say the prayer before you are ready to accept the Lord. And so, but I still follow up with the person hoping that one day when the Holy Spirit have touched and when he's willing to let go. And that was the reason why he was so afraid to tell the husband, tell the families and begin to ask, if I go to the altar, can I just light the candle a little bit? Because I'm a, I, I supposedly said the, the, the sinner's prayer. Then she was struggling with this. I was wondering why she's struggling. And then she told the truth that she was actually not prepared to accept the Lord yet. So this is something that we have to be very careful. So the proof of genuine faith and salvation is found in the fruit of our lives. Can we just uh, move the slide if you are here? The proof of our genuine faith and salvation is found in the fruit of 
our life. And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. A good tree will bear good fruit. A diseased tree will not bear good fruit. We have in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. So the ending part that we are doing right now from verse 13 and 14 today is the application part, is the climax, is the conclusion of the Sermon of the Mount which started in Matthew chapter 5. So we know about, we all remember and memorize the Beatitudes, but actually it touches on the first two. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this ties with it talking about coming in through the narrow gate, coming in through the hard way, not the easy way and the wide gate. Because only those who are, know that they are spiritually bankrupt, know that they cannot earn salvation, know that we are not good before God. We cannot do enough good in our life to earn God's favour, to earn God's forgiveness. We only need the righteousness of Christ. So in Matthew chapter 7, 15 to 27, it talks about the tree and its fruits. You will recognise them by their fruits. That means that our way of life, our lifestyle will tell us whether we have entered the right gate, whether we are on the right path or we actually never entered the narrow gate at all. Then it talks about true and false believers. I mentioned to you, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Then we talk about foundation. We talk about the rain that came the wind that came, the flood that came, and depending on how we build your house, whether on the word and the command of Jesus Christ, on the teaching of Jesus Christ, then, you're, then you are a wise builder. You build your house on a rock. But if you, and you do the will of God, and you do and you obey. So not just believing, but also obeying and living that life. So, we can continue to live our lives wisely or foolishly. So the gate is so important. The closing section of the Sermon on the Mount, which is found here right now that we are talking about, we are talking about two gates. We are talking about two ways. We are talking about two destinations. And we are talking about two groups of people. The narrow gate is constricted and precise and only through Jesus. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Again, which version of Jesus? It is the suffering Christ. It is not just the blessings that we want, but it is the suffering part that when we come to this narrow gate, we must be prepared. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The people who like the white gate, who want Jesus and still enjoy their own sinful life, are 
people who want everything. Just like certain religion, Jesus is one of their gods. And so they have as many gods as possible, just like we have done the book of Acts where they dedicated one statue to the unknown god just in case they miss out one god. So in another religion that we know here, also they have Jesus also as one of their gods. Jesus cannot be one. He, can only, he must be the only one. That is the main difference. That we continue to come and just believe in Him that He is the one who is the sacrifice. He is the one who is the atonement. He is the one who is the righteousness. Only through His righteousness we we become a proof as sons and daughters of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the gate is constricted and precise. It is very narrow in the sense that we don't have our merits plus Jesus, what Jesus had did. We don't have our good works plus what Jesus had did. We don't have our, I come from a very good family. I come from a Christian family and that's why I automatically come. No, because this gate must be entered. So that's why when somebody says, I was a Christian from birth, that is unbiblical. We cannot be Christian from birth because we have to repent and believe. The word on the, the word in Acts says, how do we come to enter this narrow gate? We have to repent and believe. Can someone before he, when he was born, can he repent? Can he, can he believe? No. And so in order to enter this gate, we have to repent. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. We have to acknowledge, Lord, I am bankrupt. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to deserve your forgiveness, to earn eternal life in heaven, unless you yourself graciously receive me and forgive me. So, we come to Jesus. Again, when we say the narrow gate, we come to Jesus on his terms. We know there are many negotiators among here. Sometimes we want to negotiate with the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to Jesus and say as if Christianity is a buffet. Lord, I like this, I like that, but I don't like this. But Jesus says, if you want me, you take all, the whole package, the whole counsel of God. And this is where we have to read certain parts of the scripture that we don't write to read when God rebukes us, when God corrects us, when God shows us for who we really are. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, it says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So what do we bring? and contribute to our salvation, nothing. We only contribute by our sin and says, I'm a sinner and Lord Jesus, you save me from my sins. That is a, actually, that is not a good deal for the Lord, but it is a damn very good deal for us. An amazing deal for us. Jesus cost, it cost Jesus everything. It cost us nothing to just come through the narrow gate. And many people still want to negotiate with the Lord. Can I still keep my mistress if I come to Jesus? Can I still uh, cheat? Can I still cheat on, cheat on my taxes 
if I, I, I come to Jesus? Can I still do things that are unrighteous or law-breaking? Definitely not. That's why it's so precise. That's why it is so constricted. We come only to the Lord on His terms. If we want to negotiate and come to Jesus and ask Him to accept our terms, that means we have come through the white gate. And there are many who are on that white assembly of God, that easy assembly of God church, you know, that everything, I just bring everything I have and just ask God, you take me for who I am. Sometimes we use that against and we misinterpret the Bible. Uh, sometimes we sing the song, Lord Jesus, take me as I am. Yes, Jesus knows our past, our background, our sinfulness. But after when we come to Jesus, He will accept us. But Jesus will tell us, sin no more. Just as the woman caught in adultery, I forgive you. No one throw the stone. I also won't throw. I forgive you, but sin no more. So if we are still living in sin as a habit, not as a one-off occasion, habit, I'm talking about the habitual sinner, then you have to ask yourself, have I really entered the narrow gate? Am I on the easy road? This is something for us to seriously consider, but it's not too late for us to get out of the white gate, to get out of the easy path and get back into the narrow gate and the hard path because Jesus is ready to receive us. We have to be admit, we have to admit that we are broken. We are lost. We are sorrowful for our sins. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. This mourning is not because we lost someone. This mourning is because we mourn for our own personal sins. Our life we live in rebellion against God. This mourning is sad for what the church is happening in the church. If we see people living their lives, uh, disobeying and rebelling against God's word, this is where we begin to moan and intercede. Lord, heal and save and bring back the people of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Some people think that the narrow gate means that Christians are narrow-minded. That is the furthest from the truth. Jesus always welcomes anyone, whether the rich, the poor, the sinner. And Jesus went to them, even Zacchaeus, like what I mentioned the last time. Jesus went, even accepted the perfume, the tears, and the wiping of his legs from a sinful woman. Jesus says, if you come in brokenness, if you come sorrowful, Jesus says, I will receive you. I will accept you. But if you come like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and leaders, by the way, this part portion of scripture is not attacking the unbelievers. It's not actually attacking the, the atheists or the agnostic people who don't know whether it's a God, people who do, don't believe there's God. No. In this context, in the Sermon of the Mount, towards the application part, Jesus is actually talking to the people who call themselves Christians. Jesus says, there are two gates. Jesus says, there are two roads. 
Jesus says there are two types of people in the church. Jesus says, and there are two rewards, life or destruction. So when Jesus said this, Jesus was addressing his own disciples. And of course, he know that one of the disciples was not in the narrow gate. One of the disciples betrayed him, like what we mentioned today in our communion. He was the one who betrayed Jesus. And so what was his end? What was his destination? We're talking about the destination also. The two destinations, life or destruction. Judas chose destruction and the other 11 chose life. So even, even among his own church, even among his own assembly, Jesus had one person who used a different gate, one person who used a different way. Jesus affirmed in John chapter 10 that he is the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe. And I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John chapter 10 verse 9 and 10. So in contrast to the narrow gate, we have the wide gate. But very importantly for us when we read scripture to read it, correctly. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. And what is the heart of God? Jesus says, follow me. Don't go. By the way, Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. Use the hard way because the hard way will lead to a right destination. And what is the destination? The kingdom of heaven. The fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Eternal life. The spiritual life that I prepared for you. Now you enjoy now, but you have not enjoyed the full sense yet. And Jesus was saying, by the way, there is also another gate. Be warned. By the way, there is also another road. And by the way, there is also another group of people. And there are many. By the way, there's also another destination, and that is destruction. What is destruction? Destruction is not annihilation. That means we, we, we no longer exist, but that's the worst part about hell. Do you know that Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else in the Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament? There are some preachers who don't like to talk about hell. Some people say, I just preach Jesus and that's all I know. But if we are just preaching Jesus and we have to preach what Jesus preached, we have to teach what Jesus teach. And Jesus spoke. In fact, 99% of the teaching about hell is found in the Gospels. And so when people say, but Jesus always preached about grace, about love, then I say that you are not reading the same Bible. You're not reading the same Gospels. And even here in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus spoke about hell, the consequence of hell. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, when he talked about lust, he says, if your eyes sin, pluck it out. It's better to enter life or enter the kingdom of heaven with your, with your whole body and lose one part. Or cut off your right hand if your right hand has sinned rather than lose your whole body and go to hell. So in even within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about hell here. Even here, 
Jesus spoke about destruction. And destruction is actually talking about hell. So Jesus is now talking to you and I. That before we appear before him in the Bema seat judgment, where we are supposed to receive our rewards, we have to make sure that when we say, Lord, Lord, the most terrifying thing to hear is that I don't know you. Who are you, huh? That is the worst thing to hear. But how do we make sure that when we say, Lord, Lord, He will say, here I am, my son, my daughter. It's when we do hear the word and do the word and the will of God. That is the most important thing. There are many hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. I think James says that, not be not just be hearers, but doers. So the difference between those who are in the narrow gate and those who are in the wide gate, who was in the easy road or the hard road, is whether we apply, we obey God absolutely in our life. And that's why Jesus also says, same thing in the Sermon on Mount, you will know them by their fruits. And some people will complain, but pastor, actually I'm a very good person, you know, but outside only I might not look very nice, but actually in my heart, Lord, if you can see my heart, I'm actually a very nice person. But Jesus says no. Sometimes we use the word, don't judge a book by its cover, but this is not, it's not what Jesus says. You can judge a book by its cover. That means if your words, if your attitude, if your behavior, if your lifestyle is opposite of what Jesus asked us to do, then Jesus can say, yes, you are definitely on the wrong gate. You have entered the wrong gate. You are walking on the wrong path. And that's why I say, go away. I never knew you. Sometimes we use that excuse, but people don't understand me. They think I'm not good, but actually in my heart, I'm a very good person. But if your words come out and it's so poisonous and toxic, then perhaps you are not on the right gate or the right road. But it's not too late for us because Jesus says the gate is still open. Come. The road is still available, but you have to choose to admit that I am sinful. I am actively rebelling against you. I am walking and living my life in sin. You can still come back to the law. So the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's why very often we have to be very careful and give our advice and say, don't always follow your heart. Because many times if your heart is not right, if you are on the wrong gate, if you are not walking according to the will of God, led by the Spirit of God, don't follow your heart. And that's what some people do. When they say, don't marry this person. No, 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 I follow my heart. And then when they have problems in a marriage, they get separated, they have abuse, they say, what happened to your heart? Then they come back to God. That's why it's so important. Unless your heart is right before God. 
test your heart because your heart is your very core nature. Your heart is your person. It's in your heart that you make decisions. The heart that affects your will. Heart that affects your emotion. Heart that helps you to make right choices. Unless we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot trust our heart. So only for those who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ fully and just say, Lord, you know my heart. I always think of bad things, wrong things, sinful things. Lord, I need you to renovate my heart. I need you not just one time when you say the sinner's prayer, but every day. And this counter the wrong teaching of those who speak of the hyper-grace, people who teach about hyper-grace. It's okay, you know. Jesus loves you and forgives you. You don't have to say, you and Jesus are like that, very close. Can, when you meet Jesus, some people will say, can I high-five with Jesus? I tell you, when you and I face Jesus, we will be so terrified. Because you must remember, just although we sang the song, uh, uh, Jesus Sahabat Ku, we have to be very careful. Let's not be too familiar with God. Let's not be too familiar and just use the word Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because when every time we use the word Jesus, we have to be accountable to Him. And Jesus says, why are you using my name when you're not obeying me? Why are you calling my name in prayer when you're walking in disobedience, when you are lying, slandering, passing rumour about your brother and sister, when you are hurting one another, why are you calling my name? So very, be very careful. So holiness is very important. When you come and walk on the narrow gate and walk on the hard path, we have to realise that God is God and we are not. So the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. How is your heart today? And God looks at our heart. God says, I look at your life, I know your heart. But people in the world say, it's okay lah, you know. Maybe they just have a bad day, a bad hair day, uh, something happened in their house, you know, they woke up late, that's why they are like that. They are not like that, but in their heart, they are good. But let me affirm with you, Jesus says no. You will know their you will know them by their fruits. Are we fruitful? Do we have the fruit of the Spirit of God daily in our lives? When I say the fruit of our, when we say in our walk with God, it is four steps we move forward in the Lord. And sometimes we move back one step. That is okay. That is acceptable because we are not perfect. Don't get disappointed when you move three steps and you move back one step because this is the struggle. Because we are living in a broken world. We are living among tears. People that the enemy has planted to irritate us, to annoy us, to test us. And sometimes the people that God sends across our heart path is to build our character. Is to test and to prove whether we are on the right gate. So don't grumble, don't get angry when a difficult person, whether it's in your own family or whether your colleagues or your business partner or even in the church, begin to annoy you, begin to irritate you rather than the first thing it says, you are not, not Christian, you are not loving. Begin to ask if you are reactive. It says, Lord, 
What is going on in my heart? Are you teaching me something? Are you showing me something? Are you correcting me? And that's why I started with Hebrews 12. A father loves us. Our father loves us and that's why he will rebuke us. He will discipline us. And that is one of the work of the Holy Spirit. We forget that the Spirit is holy. We, we always say Holy Spirit, but we talk about the Spirit part. But we don't talk about the holy part. Spirit is the spirit of holiness in us. And so whenever, every time I come here and preach a hard message, it is because I love you. It is because God loves you. Hell is a reality. Hell is a destination. And some people say there is no such thing as hell here on earth. We have experienced hell. We will never experience hell again. But I say, if you, you think here is hell, you have not seen hell yet. And you don't want to see, you don't want to experience hell at all. Before I close, can I say that when we enter, we enter is a deliberate action. We don't accidentally become a Christian. We don't accidentally say, oops, oh, I didn't know I become a Christian. Oops, I went to the wrong road. Sometimes we, we go the wrong lane, we go the wrong road, right? Uh, that, that can happen. But nobody accidentally become a Christian. and say, oops, I didn't know I entered the narrow gate. I entered the easy path. Oops, was wow, so easy to enter. No, it's very hard. It's very restricted. So the hard way is compressed, it's a difficult way of life and let me just begin to bring some news to you that if you are, have entered the narrow gate, be prepared for suffering, be prepared for persecution, be prepared for hardship, be prepared for sacrifice, be prepared for pain and be prepared for loss. The evangelists, the people who shared the gospel and says, you only believe in Jesus and you will have blessing and prosperity. That is the prosperity gospel. That is opposite of what the gospel preaches. Jesus says, in this life, you will have much suffering. Even in the book of Acts says, in, uh, in uh, uh, true suffering, that we will enter the kingdom of God. And that's why this is a road less travel. That's why there are few of us only on this road. Just because I'm here on the pulpit preaching doesn't mean I automatically am on the narrow gate and the hard road. I have to make sure every day I remain at the narrow gate and not slip out and then enter the wide gate because we are surrounded. The thing that we need to know is for us who are in the narrow gate and the hard road, we are surrounded by people in the wide gate and sometimes we envy other people why they can cheat, why they can lie, why they can do all the sinful things and then seemingly enjoy blessings. But brothers and sisters, there is one distinction here, the destination. There's a totally different destination. One is life and one is destruction. And even in the book of Deuteronomy, God gave a choice to the Israelites. Choose life or choose blessing or choose curse and death. Here, Jesus is asking us, enter the narrow gate. Choose life. I'm going to the last slide now. 
even before we end, I just want us to just pause a while. Know this. When Jesus asks us to enter the narrow gate, He's speaking, His eyes piercing, His words piercing into our hearts. He knows our hearts. We cannot lie. We cannot hide from Him. He knows which gate we have entered. He knows which way we are on, whether it's the easy way or the hard way. And Jesus called. Jesus cried. And Jesus pleaded to each one of us, is come to me. Join the assembly of the few. Why? Because of the destination that I offer. Life. Kingdom life. Eternal life. Someone asked a pastor, Pastor, can you please explain eternity to me? And the pastor responded, I could, but it would take forever to explain to you. Because we cannot explain eternal life here. Because we are bound by space and time and material things. In God's heaven, in God's kingdom, there is no clock, there is no time, there is no season. It is just forever worship, forever serving, forever fellowshipping, forever in the presence of God. But on the other side, there is again the reality of hell. Perhaps another day I will speak about hell. What the hell? Because we don't hear about hell enough. And that's why we need to hear more about hell to appreciate life and kingdom. And that is what Jesus is coming to do. Jesus has come to save us from this hell. And this hell is so real. The devil is real. And Jesus has prepared hell not for us, but for the devil and his angels. But sadly, many will still choose to walk away. So when we are confronted by Jesus, it's either two ways. We choose the narrow gate or we choose the wide gate. There are two crowds. Either we choose we belong to the few or we belong to the many. There are two roads. We take the hard road just for this life or we take the easy road to satisfy all our desires and there are only two destinations we choose life when we choose Jesus we choose life when we reject Jesus we are making an intentional choice for hell and destruction and Jesus is calling Jesus is inviting us Choose Him Choose life Choose the narrow gate So in the days to come Even in a new shift We are going to focus A lot on discipleship Because we are going to teach We are going to preach We are going to equip The assembly of the field To be sure To be solid In the word of God So that the enemy So that preachers and teachers evangelists of cults will not catch us 
deceive us away from the narrow gate and the hard path. The soul destiny is of eternal consequences. You know the worst thing about hell is? The worst thing about hell is you know that there is a heaven and you chose hell. And you cannot change your mind when you're in hell. Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? He says, neither can you go from one side to the other or the other side. So it's a one way. You either choose life and kingdom or you choose hell and destruction. Praise God. Can I just say a prayer for you even right now? Father, we want to thank you even for your rebuke, even for your warning, even for your exhortation to guard our hearts with all diligence, to ensure that Jesus is the Lord of our hearts, that the Holy Spirit is the resident God in us, that we will not compromise with the Word of God. We will not come to God on our terms, but we will come to God on His terms. If some of you realize from the Word and the preaching today that perhaps you are not entered the narrow gate and you are not on the hard road. In fact, if you are not on the narrow gate or the hard road, you are automatically on the wide gate and the easy road. If you are ready and God is convicting you and you are sorrowful for your life and for your sins and you say, this is me. I want to hear your voice and answer your call. Follow me in this prayer. Online and here. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are calling my name you are speaking to me personally today. You are waiting in the narrow gate, waiting to usher me in, to receive me. You know my past, my present, my future. And you want to save me from hell and destruction and suffering and eternal suffering. So Lord, I'm ready today. Nobody is forcing me. I come to you, I run to you and I admit that I've sinned against you. I've rebelled against you. I've disobeyed you. I've lived a sinful life. I renounce all other gods in my life. And I choose you, Lord. I will follow you, Lord. Because you have the words of eternal life. You are the only one that can forgive me, can give me that abundant life, now here on this earth and in for all eternity. I will not return back to my old life, but I will choose you, Jesus. And I give you thanks. I repent. I surrender my heart my heart is so deceitful. I surrender my heart to you. Do a renovation in my heart. Lead me as my Lord and my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. 
I receive your righteousness. I'm yours, Lord, forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. If you have said that prayer seriously, and not because someone beside you is pinching you, may I ask you to respond on the online chat with the QR code or the link, or here. Can you just come to the front afterwards as we have our altar ministry? Can you come to the front here too? We want to talk to you. We want to follow up with you. We want to make sure that you enter the narrow gate and the, and, the, and, the, and the hard path and you will no longer go back to the white gate. I just want to pray for each one of us as a church, as a family. Father, I thank you that we are a limited addition, that we are a people of a certain kind that is unique and set apart from evil and wickedness. We are your people. We are citizens of the kingdom. We are fully obeying and knowing and applying the will of God in our lives. If there is any disobedience or rebellion in my life in any way, Lord, I surrender to you today. I confess and I know that you are ready to forgive me when I confess, when I am angry with my sin, when I'm broken over my sin, you will receive me again. So Lord, bless me and help me to keep on this difficult, hard path because I know I'm not alone. I have my brothers and my sisters. I have the body of Christ and I have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to accompany me, to teach me in this path that leads to life. Bless my week and my weekend. I give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.